Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hi, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I am your Ate Sapphire. For today's episode, we'll be traveling to the UK. We'll begin with a true story about a young girl's imaginary friend named Tom. Then we'll learn about why you should never say a demon's name out loud. Then attempt to solve mysterious activity at a summer camp and escape the cry of a banshee. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. So, want to hear something scary? The Gruga. The following is based on a true story submitted by Captain. Back when I was around 10 years old, I was growing up in rural Scotland with my mom and my little sister, Amelia. There wasn't much to do out in the grasslands, so we chased each other around the house and come up with little games to play. But when Amelia turned about seven, she became a bit distant to me. Not like she hated me, but instead she was focused on something else. I approached her about it one day, and she explained that she has to play with her friend Tom too, or else he gets jealous. I assumed Tom was her imaginary friend. One day, I was reading in my room when my mom burst through the door, enraged. Elizabeth, did you eat all of my honey? Those jars are not cheap. I specifically told you it was for special occasions only. It wasn't me. I did, Mom, my sister said as she entered my room. I had to feed Tom and he loves honey. Amelia, if you wanted some honey, you should have just asked and I would have given you a little bit. There's no need to make up stories, okay? But Tom loves it. Look, I'll show you. My mom and I followed Amelia into her room. She pointed under her bed. This is where Tom lives. My mom nervously crept down underneath the dark bed and looked around. There she found the empty jar of honey. My mom went back to full rage mode and grounded my little sister for making up stories. But I'm not lying, I swear. The next day, my mom stormed into my room again. What is wrong with you? You're stealing my liquor now? I didn't take anything, I said defensively. It was me again, mom. Amelia chimed in from the doorway. My mom shot her one of the scariest glares I'd ever seen her make. Let me guess. Tom drank it? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't let me give him the fancy honey anymore, so I had to give him something. Look! Again, we followed her to Tom's supposed hiding place. And sure enough, underneath Amelia's bed were the empty liquor bottles. My mom was furious. She thought my little sister had actually drank the booze herself. My mom grounded her for the remaining of the year, and my sister cried all night. She asked me if I believed her, and honestly, I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew she didn't drink the alcohol herself. If she had, she'd be dead. And I didn't think she was stupid enough to pour it all out in the name of her dumb game. But I told her I believed her. My sister and I went to the same school. During class the next day, I got called to the principal's office. 
Apparently, she had gotten in a fight during recess and ended up getting hurt pretty bad. Some so-called friends pushed her over onto a rock, and she had to be rushed to the hospital. They tried to reach my mom, but couldn't get a hold of her, so they asked for me to go to the hospital with her. I immediately rushed over to make sure my sister was okay. She was pretty beaten up. It was really tough to see. I'm so sorry, sis. It's not your fault. It's Tom's. She explained that since she couldn't give him treats anymore, he was making all her friends hate her. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. She was seriously still talking about Tom. Once my mom got to the hospital, I walked back home to do homework. Now, I don't believe in spirits or anything like that, but I thought, what if Amelia was actually interacting with something? Something neither me nor my mom could see. I decided to do a brief online search. I typed, invisible friend who eats honey and liquor. I honestly didn't expect to find anything, but I came across a site that talked about something called a grugach. They were invisible house spirits that were helpful as long as you gave them what they want, typically expensive items such as honey or liquor. I couldn't believe it. Maybe that's who Tom was. I continued reading. However, if you make them angry by not offering them gifts, they will cause major harm. Never name a grugach, for they will become permanently attached to you. If you manage to attach one to yourself and then refuse to pamper it, it will wreak havoc on your life. Not only that, it will make up for the lost help by stealing the host away as a slave. Oh no. When my mom finally came home, I told her about everything I had read. I tried to tell her that if we pissed it off anymore, it might take Amelia away as a slave. But my mom wasn't having it. I'm very tired and stressed. Please don't make things worse. A few days later, my sister was okay enough to come home from the hospital, but she had to stay in her room again until she was fully recovered. I can't stay in here. Tom might take me away. I haven't fed him in over a week. But my mom ignored her complaining and locked her in her room for the rest of the day. Later that night, my mom went to check on Amelia. She wanted to apologize for being so cruel earlier. But when my mom opened the room, Amelia wasn't there. She checked the closet underneath the bed. There was no sign of Amelia anywhere. Mom called the police and waited in the living room. Mom, you don't think that maybe- Elizabeth, please, not now. The police inspected our house and said they couldn't find any signs of anyone breaking in or running away. But they were gonna continue looking for Amelia. My mom left the house shortly after that. She said she needed some fresh air. She told me to stay home until she got back. So I stayed in my room until night. When I was about ready to go to bed, I heard something coming from my sister's room. I opened the door and found my mom on the floor in tears, surrounded by dozens of honey jars. She was calling underneath the bed. Please, I just want her back. Please just give her back. Please, Tom. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And now, more Something Scary. Our next story comes from Cassandra in the UK. Formerly a Christian and now a Wiccan, this is how she discovered she was sensitive to spirits and the moment that changed her life forever. The very first encounter I had was when I was around 10 or 11. This was way back when my parents would send me to Bible camp. I was a dedicated follower, mostly because I just didn't know there were other religions outside of Christianity. But when we would have to do a Bible study once a day, it made me feel confused. Not that I wasn't understanding the teachings, but I just felt like I didn't belong there. I kept telling myself this was part of God testing my faith, and it was completely normal. After Bible study was over, I walked outside and headed for my cabin. A girl stopped me in my tracks. She had definitely been waiting for me to get out. I didn't know her name, but I recognized her. She slept in the same cabin as me. Hi, I'm Angie. Do you want to stay with me and do a private study by the fountain? What? She caught me so off guard. Um, why didn't you just join everyone else? I, uh, uh, because I couldn't. I, I can't. Sure you can. Everyone's allowed. No, I, I can't go in that room. The demon inside me won't let me. Get out of what there. What are you doing? Get away you need from to leave her. Right now. Suddenly, all these voices in my head started shouting Do at me, telling me to leave. Why are you still standing there? Go! But Angie continued to plead with me. Please, I'm asking you because I see a light in you. I noticed it on the first day here. You'll help me, won't you? The voices were still yelling. I apologized and ran away. Angie screamed at me from a distance, begging me to stay, but I just kept running. I didn't see her for the rest of the day, which was perfectly fine with me. Later that night, it was time for bed. Angie's was right across from me in the cabin. I avoided eye contact with her as I changed into my pajamas. That day had been exhausting and I had no problem falling asleep. But hours later, I woke up very violently and scared. I looked at the clock and it was 2.30 a.m. I saw movement across from me. Angie was crying in her sleep. And a young man was sitting on the edge of her bed, playing with her hair. Boys weren't allowed in the girls' cabins. How did he get in here? Who was he? Why was he here? I managed to mutter out a week. The man turned around to face me. He had blonde hair styled like a faux hawk, dark blue jeans, and a leather jacket. But what stood out the most were his eyes. They were like a snake's, glowing in the unlit cabin. He was absolutely gorgeous. 
but there was an unmistakable evil energy surrounding him. He slinked on over to my bedside. He crouched down to my level and smiled. What's your name? I didn't respond. Aw, you shy? Boys aren't allowed in, um, they're not allowed in here. I stammered, failing to hide my fear. He just laughed at me. (laughs) You're just scared because we don't know each other. Do you want to know my name? Yes? Don't say his name. What are you doing? Voices in my head were back. The man leaned in and whispered in my ear. He muttered a name that I had never heard before. It almost sounded nonsensical, so I repeated it out loud and immediately began crying. An overwhelming sense of doom crashed over me. The man disappeared, and I cried myself to sleep, unaware that my life had changed forever. The next morning, Angie seemed different, a lot more cheery and friendly, like a huge weight had been lifted off of her. I hadn't slept a wink that night, and she looked like she slept for the first time in years. I felt awful. That day and the rest of camp. I didn't know this at the time, but by uttering a demon's name out loud, I invited him to attach himself to me. And for years after camp, he never left. Nothing went my way after. I fell into a deep depression and had horrible thoughts of suicide and self-harm. I couldn't keep friends because I noticed him whispering in people's ears. The paranoia got to me. I've learned how to live with him now. I've almost gotten used to his constant presence. But I want to get rid of him. But I'm, I'm too scared to ask for help. What if, he, what if he then attaches himself to them? I'd just be repeating the cycle. Please. If anybody knows how to get rid of him, I just want him to leave me alone. Thank you, Cassandra, for sending that story. Um, So when Cassandra sent me this, she actually wrote out the name of the demon, and I got a lot of chills just by reading it. Uh, She emphasized never to read the words out loud, and that's why I intentionally left it out in this recording, because I'm honestly terrified that he will come and take over my life. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover sinister foundation or another recent one the delivery where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory my name is edwin covarrubias host and writer over at scary story podcast where every episode brings you a short original scary story every week The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast.
Our next story comes from Mariah, and it also takes place at a camp. I was 10 years old when I went to summer camp for the first time. It was in Scotland. I grew up overseas, and rather than go back to the United States every summer, my family and I would travel to other countries and see the sights. That year, my parents had decided I was old enough to be without them for a week, while they went to the Isle of Skye. It was a really nice activity camp. They really wanted you to disconnect from technology and connect with your fellow campers, so they took away all of our cell phones on the first day. I asked a counselor about what would happen if there was an emergency, and they said that they would handle contacting our parents. It was on the campus of a college, which had an old Gothic cathedral and dated dormitories. I was put in a decent-sized room, fitting exactly four beds in a row. Each of us had a little area to ourselves, consisting of a bed, dresser, and a table, but it was still an open floor where you can see all the other beds. I was one of the last to arrive at camp, so I got the bed at the very end. The first night at camp, I was having a hard time falling asleep. I seemed to be the only one still wide awake in my cabin, considering all the snoring happening around me. The wall clock read 3.30 a.m., When I heard the door open, I figured it was a counselor making rounds and checking in on everyone, so I quickly rolled over and shut my eyes, pretending to be asleep. I heard very light footsteps enter the cabin and walk past every cubby. It stopped momentarily, and I heard what sounded like a second pair of footsteps joining it, and they both left the dorm. Once the door closed, I turned over. I squinted in the darkness. The furthest bed away from me, the one closest to the entrance, was now empty. Odd. I laid back down. About ten minutes later, the dorm door opened again, but only one pair of footsteps remained. I started playing all possible scenarios in my head. I ended up not getting much sleep that night. The next morning at breakfast, I wanted to ask the girl about where she went in the middle of the night, but I stopped myself just in case it was because of something personal. That night, I still couldn't sleep. I laid there with my eyes closed until about 3.30 a.m. The dorm door creaked open. But this time, I didn't roll over with my back towards the door. I wanted to try and catch a glimpse of who was coming in and out. The footsteps entered the room just like the other night. Slowly, I opened my eyes just enough. It was definitely one of the counselors. He walked over to the second bed, gently placed a hand on the girl's shoulder, and she sat up, without hesitation. She climbed out of bed and followed the counselor out the door. It was so weird. Where could he possibly be taking her at this time? Just like the night before, she returned to her bed about ten minutes later. The following morning at breakfast, I decided that my curiosity was stronger than my social politeness, and so I asked her about it. Hey, Ginger, I said. What were you doing up so late last night? She stared at me. I I don't know what you're talking about. I tried to read her face. I honestly couldn't tell if she was trying to hint that she didn't want to talk about it, or if she genuinely didn't know what I was talking about, and honestly... Both options were equally creepy. But I knew what I saw. 
It was like 3.30 in the morning. You left the dorm for 10 minutes with Greg and then came back. What were you guys doing? At this point, the girls sitting within earshot had stopped their own conversations to listen to ours. But Ginger continued to play dumb. You must have been dreaming. I never did that. Maybe I had been imagining it. Hallucinations are a common symptom of sleep deprivation. No, but I was completely lucid. I, I wasn't imagining it. It was too consistent to be imagined. Right? That night, there was no way I was going to fall asleep. I had to stay up until 3.30 to see if somebody left the dorm again. And right on schedule, the door opened and Greg walked in. This time, he stopped at the third bed. The bed right next to mine. I tried my best to peek through my closed eyelids as best I could. I saw Greg place a hand on the girl's shoulder. The girl got up without hesitation and followed him out. What the hell was going on? The following morning, I tried to talk to the girl in the third bed. Do you remember leaving in the middle of the night? She shot me a rude look and ignored my question. This camp was no longer any fun. I decided to talk to the head counselor. His office was in a portable trailer. I need to call my parents, I demanded. No cell phones allowed, camper, he said cheerily. But I was running on no sleep and was not in the mood. Then give me a landline. I need to get out of here. You want to leave us? Why? Not having fun? I just don't want to be here anymore. Aw, well, there's only a few more days left. Why don't you try and enjoy yourself, okay? He held his wide, toothy smile. I wanted to punch his face. But I left the trailer. I just wish there was someone I could talk to about this. Night came so quickly that day, and I was not looking forward to it. If the pattern continued like it had, then that meant it was my turn. Part of me wanted to know where the girls went every night with Greg, but the other part wanted to get the hell out of there. At 8 p.m., they came around and shut off the lights, and I laid in bed, more nervous and alert than I had ever been the previous nights. I watched the hands on the clock rotate. 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m. It was almost time. I had to stay vigilant, but my body was exhausted. I had barely gotten sleep the past few days. I was fighting to keep my eyelids up just as the door opened. The footsteps passed the first bed, then the next, then the third, and stopped right at the foot of mine. I heard him come closer. I felt a hand touch my shoulder. It's been ten years since I went to that camp. I think about that night every single day. I've had some horrible luck in my life, but nothing ever compares to that night. Because even after all that time, I still don't know what happened in the middle of the night. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Mariah. Uh, these are the types of stories that really stick with me. She knows that something happened to her, but she doesn't know exactly what, and she may never find out. Um, something very similar happened to me when I was a kid. I have this memory from when I was like five, and I've just accepted that I will never know what happened to me that one night. 
and I probably never will. And it scares the hell out of me. And our final tale comes from a real experience that Megan in Scotland had. There is a video version of this story over at youtube.com snarled if you search Banshee. Megan never believed in the paranormal until it begged for her attention. Megan and her boyfriend Mikey had just moved into a flat in Aberdeen, Scotland. It was small but cozy. There were two large windows one in the kitchen that faced the garden, and one in the bedroom that faced the street. They usually kept the blinds closed to hide their expensive musical equipment. One night, Mikey was attending a concert in Glasgow and wouldn't return home until four in the morning, leaving Megan all alone. After he left, she spent the night catching up on her favorite TV shows. She fell asleep with her TV on, but a sound jolted her awake around 11.45 p.m. It was a slow knocking. She got out of her bed thinking it was her upstairs neighbor asking her to turn her TV down. She readied her apology in her head and walked to the front door. But when she looked inside the peephole, no one was there. She shrugged it off, thinking she must have been imagining the sound, and walked back to her bedroom. But then she heard it again. It was coming from the kitchen. She must have forgotten to close the blinds that night because when she turned on the light, she was face to face with a woman in the window. She was wearing a dark overcoat and her long red hair hung around her face like seaweed. Her mouth was twisted up into a terrifying grimace showing the few rotten teeth she had left. Megan knew what this was. Her grandparents told her the stories when she was little. That was no woman. That was a banshee. In Irish mythology, a banshee is a female spirit who lives by the river. They usually have the appearance of an old hag, but are capable of making themselves as young and beautiful as they choose. In Ireland and Scotland, it is traditional for women to wail or keen at funerals. So if you hear the keen of the banshee, she's alerting you that death is near. Let me in. The banshee croaked, her strained voice echoing in the walls. I've been hurt. But Megan didn't believe her. She was now tapping louder on the glass. I'm going to get you some help, okay? What kind of shitty woman are you? Megan ran to her bedroom and dialed the police. She sat on her bed, shaking and praying to every god she could think of. It was the most horrifying experience of her life. After a few minutes, the banging on the window had stopped. Is she gone? Megan thought to herself. But then she noticed a shadow from behind her bedroom curtain. Little bitch, you think you're too good. There was nothing Megan could do but wait there while the banshee taunted her. Then she saw red and blue lights flash outside. Finally, the police were here. She went to the front door where she could hear the mumbled voices of the officers outside. She was just about ready to let them in when she heard, It's her. It's her. It's her. It's her. Megan didn't know what to do. She stood there, frozen in place, until the mail slot in her door slowly swung open. Miss, is everything all right? (sighs) Megan exhaled a deep sigh of relief. 
She opened the door and told the police everything that happened and described the woman in detail. They thought she just might be a violent drunk, and so they told Megan that they would check the CCTV cameras in the area to see if they could find her and prevent her from harassing anyone else. A couple days later, Megan got a call from the officer. So we did check the security cameras in your area, and yes, we did see a woman who matched your description. What was strange, though, was that she only appeared in the one camera right outside your building. We couldn't see where she came from or went to. It was like she vanished into thin air. For the next few days, Megan tried not to think about that night. It probably wasn't a banshee. Maybe it really was just a strung-out old lady. Because if it was a banshee, that meant that someone close to her was going to die. Very soon. About a week after the incident, Megan's friend called her to tell her that her mother had passed. Whether or not it was just a coincidence, Megan didn't want to tell her friend about what she saw. What if there was something she could have done? Ever since that night, strange but subtle things continued to happen in that flat. Megan's wind-up music box would suddenly begin playing when no one was near it. Lights would flicker on and off. The water in the bathroom would randomly turn itself on. Centuries ago, when a well would overflow, it was a sign that a banshee was near. It didn't help that these things only happened when Megan was home alone, leading Mikey to believe that she had a wild imagination. And maybe that's exactly how the banshees want it to be. If you'd like to submit a story, send an email to somethingscary@snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.